You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. On today's episode of the Travel Hacking Mom Show, we're answering your questions. Do we really use credit cards for every expense? Do we choose the destination first or follow the deal? How much do we pay in annual fees? We answer all these questions and more. Welcome to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are Travel Hacking Mops. We decided that for today's episode, we would put you in the driver's seat. So we put up a question box in our Instagram stories and asked you to submit your questions. We got over 100 submissions. So while we won't be able to answer all of them, I did choose quite a few for us to cover today. So let's get to it. Question number one, Alex, I'm putting you in the hot seat for this one. My husband added me as an authorized user. Does this mean that I can't get the welcome offer on the same card? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm just impressed that your husband is opening up his own cards and adding you as the authorized user because for all of us, we've got to open, we open all the cards, theirs and ours. So, um, But to answer your question, the good news is you can still get the welcome offer on the same card. So it gets even better. Your husband can still refer you from his card to for for you to then go open that exact same card. So there's no need to stress about it. A lot of people think, oh, no, I'm an authorized user on this card. I'm not going to be able to get it. And... That's why people think that we don't suggest putting each other down as authorized users, but that's actually not the reason why you can still get bonuses or you can still get the bonus. We don't recommend putting authorized users, putting each other's authorized users because it counts towards your Chase 524 account. So as far as getting bonuses, you are good to go and you can still get it. I like how you say that you're impressed that her husband is opening the card, but we purposely don't allow our husbands to open these cards because if we did, yes, that's true. If we did, then that's what they would do is even though I've been doing this for so many years, I guarantee you my husband would come in and be like, hey, guess what? They let me add you as an authorized user for free. Isn't that great? And I would have to break it to him that like, how did you make that mistake? Maybe I should say, I'm impressed your husband's willing to sign up for our cards without you doing it. But you're totally right because if my husband was thinking, hey, I'm just going to go up on this card, I'd be like, no, 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 I'll do it. Let me do it. Exactly. And if it was in my case, we would have a Cabela's card. We would have a Shields card. We would have every sports store card. And I'd be so mad. He came home one time doing that. And he's never done it since. I was not a happy camper. So, yeah, pretty impressive, but be careful how they tread. All right. Question number two. Pam, I'm throwing this one over to you, although we're all going to chime in on all the questions. What do you do with your credit card 
after you've redeemed the points from the welcome offer. So let's say you get a card, you get you spend those $4,000 in three months and you get that welcome offer. Do you go and close that card like a month later or what do you do? <laughs> never, never, ever. In fact, I probably keep my cards longer than I need to, but you should always keep a card at least for a full year. The trick is to keep them until that annual fee posts again. Then you have 30 days before you have to pay that. Um, They will even if you decide that you don't want it and it looks like it's on your charge um, card. But within that 30 days, if you cancel and say, hey, I don't want this card anymore or I'm going to downgrade the card, that is going to be a credit back to you. One of the biggest mistakes I almost made once, and American Express is the the worst about this. If you close a card before that year is out, they can take back or claw back your points. And I got my two cards mixed up and I called to close one that hadn't been a year. And luckily they did tell me, well, you know that we will be taking back that 50,000 points that you used Amex Rewards. And I was like, oh my goodness, I got the wrong card. No, 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 I don't want to close this. So um, that's one of the big reasons. It also shows that you're trying to game the system. And yes, we, we are, but we really don't want to let the banks know that that's what we're doing. And so it's just good business practice, even when you're not working with Amex, but any of the cards, keep that card open for a full year. And at that time, you can decide whether you're going to keep the card because the benefits are great, cancel the card, or downgrade to a no annual fee, or ask for a retention offer. Yeah, I think that there, I think between all three of us, we don't, we're not often closing a lot of cards. Um, our relationships with these banks are really important if we want to do this long term. And so I think a lot of times, especially when people are just starting out, they're thinking in the short term. Like, I don't want to pay this annual fee because that's a lot. Or I don't need all these cards. I need to close some of them. But this is a marathon, not a sprint. You can't be closing all your cards. You can't be upsetting the banks if you want to keep doing this long term. And so I do agree that we often will close a card or downgrade it if the benefits don't outweigh the fee. But there are a lot of cards that we do keep. So um, don't let the fa- don't let having a lot of active cards scare you away from just keeping some of your cards open, especially those no annual fee cards. We all keep our no annual fee cards open because there's really no incentive to close them or reason to close them. Well, there are so many times that ha- keeping the card is just worthwhile to keep open. I never close my hotel cards that give me an annual night certificate because basically I'm paying probably $95 for most of them, the annual fee. But I can use it in an annual night stay that's going to be anywhere from 200 to $300. It would be silly for me to close those. I keep my United card open. I travel United on United Airlines a lot. I get free check bags. I get to airline um, lounge passes to United Club lounges. I get priority boarding. Way worth more than the $95 that I pay. 
So you've got to think about that. And I think that a lot of people, like Jess said, just get so freaked out about paying the annual fees. They feel like they're getting nothing for it. When in reality, you're probably getting more than what you're paying. The benefits for most of the cards outweigh that annual fee probably at least 80% of the time. All right. Question number three. I will take this one and then you can chime in. Do you choose destinations first and then find awards or do you go wherever the deals are? My situation is a combination of both, but I would say a majority of my trips, I choose the destination and then find the award. I am a planner. I book my trips a year in advance. And so it's often me choosing where I want to go and then planning a year in advance and seeing how to get there. That being said, there are deals that come up that I jump on because it's a deal. An example is a few months ago, we got a an alert that Singapore Airlines was having a sale on flights to Singapore. All three of us booked flights to Singapore to jump on that deal. Singapore was obviously it was it was on my bucket list to go at some point. It was not on my radar for going there, you know, in the next 6 months, but that is what happened when that deal came out. So I would say majority I choose the destination first, but if a good deal comes out, I will sometimes jump on it. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I completely agree with, agree with what you do. I do the same thing. I think too like you said, Singapore was on your list of places to go. And I think we all, all of us probably have a list in our head of these are the places I want to go someday. And so, the, so when those, you know, deals come about, you can then go and book them. But I also use it in a way of, I know I want to go to this hotel someday. So when this credit card has a good offer, I'm going to bounce, you know, bounce on that offer and get that credit card. So then I can plan a trip to that specific hotel. So an example of that would be I knew I wanted to go to Waldorf Astoria in Los Cabos. And when there was a really great offer on a Hilton card, I got that card as we all did. And we've all have trips now booked to that hotel. So I think that kind of, you know, like Jess said, we do a little bit of both. And like you, I definitely do more of the choosing my destination because for you and I we have kids in school we don't have as flexible of schedules and so a lot of times those deals aren't when we can travel so choosing the destination just kind of works better for us and our schedules and that's how I primarily have traveled but I would say this last couple years I've done a little bit more of going where the deals are And that's because I have that flexibility. I don't have children in school. I have a husband who is fine with me um, traveling if he doesn't want to go or he can go real easily. And so I'm doing more of the finding the deals. For instance, my first trip in 2024 um, was a great deal came up for Etihad Apartments. And that's very similar to Singapore Suites, where I also did this when that deal came up. And so I find an airline or product I want to travel on, and I will book it right away, because if you don't, it's going to be gone. And I have no idea at that time where I'm going to go. And so then I work it out 
later. So in this particular case, this is from London to Abu Dhabi. I have a daughter that lives in London. She's going with me to Abu Dhabi and we're just going to stay there and do some resorts, the Park Hyatt Abu Dhabi, Grand Hyatt Abu Dhabi, um, that type of stuff. And so I definitely have done that. I have another trip coming up where a great deal came up for a JW Marriott in Kenya, and that's a safari that's included. That deal came up, and it was like, I got, it's like, do it or lose it. And so I booked it immediately and thought later about how I'm getting there and about the rest of my trip. So I think because of my situation, um, I'm doing a lot more of booking where the deals are. And if you have that flexibility, you're going to find some pretty sweet deals, but it's not something that everyone can do. Okay, Alex, is it better to save your points or earn and burn? So this is a prime example as do as I say, not as I do, because sometimes I tend to hold on to my points a little bit but that is not a good idea. You want to earn and burn, especially with your airline and hotel points, because those programs seem like they're often every year or so there's another devaluation. And so, for example, I've got a bunch of, you know, not a bunch, but I've got a, you know, a nice little chunk of United Miles. And last year, towards the end of last year, United started charging more for most of their award flights. And so when things like that happen, your points just become less valuable. You know, they're not going to go as far. And so it is wise advice to earn and burn. And you can always get more points. But if you're like me, sometimes you have a little bit of scarcity with your points. That's all right. It's mostly my chase chase points that I'm like, oh, I don't want this like my amount to drop below a certain point or else I start getting a little stressed out. But it's all good. You can always get more. Jess is the queen of earn and burn. So Jess, tell us tell us kind of how you, your mental thoughts through this. How do you be so good at earning and burning? I love to earn and burn. I guess I just, it's like what you said, like I know Points and miles are the opposite of investing your money. I'm also all about investing my money because I know that over time it's going to grow in the stock market. The opposite's going to happen with your points and miles. The longer you hang on to them, the less valuable they're going to get. I can't remember a time when a program ever made their points more valuable. I don't I don't think it's ever happened. And so yeah, to me it's like what's the point in hanging on to them? Obviously if I'm saving for a trip, like if I know that I'm going to take a trip and I'm going to need a ton of points, like eventually I'd love to take my entire family of six in business class. Yeah, I'm going to like hoard points for a bit, but I have a goal in mind. I'm not just mindlessly hoarding my points. And so that's my whole thing is I'm like, I want to get rid of these because I'd rather take the trip now, get a ton of value for my points because I know they're not always going to be valuable. Like Pam, though, I usually do have a stockpile of points for when deals come around. I'm not saying get your points balanced to zero. I don't get, I don't ever get like all of my points balances to zero. I spend a majority of my points and then I still have a stockpile of a few hundred thousand points just in case a deal comes up like the Singapore deal that I really wanted to just book. 
Yeah. And the other thing is, too, it's not like you're spending all of these points and then not opening up new cards. You know that you're constantly getting replenished because you're constantly opening up more cards. And so I think that's a key part, too, is if you're continuously opening up cards, it's going to be fine. I think my thing is, too, is I have a lot of points and not as much time to use all of my points. So my balances stay pretty high in some programs. My Southwest account is looking pretty sad right now, which is sad because that is like our bread and butter for flights for my family. So it's all good. We'll figure it out. But yeah, I think that's the key thing is as long as you're continuously signing up for cards, you're going to continually be having more points come in. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Pam? Do you you're you're sort of like a hybrid? Yeah, for me, because my husband and I are both earning a lot of points every year and I'm primarily the one that's using them and I don't have children that I need to fly here and that they love me to, but I'm not, I don't, they can earn their own, then I have a lot of points. And so I'm not really that worried about earning and burning. Yes, I will get some devaluation, but you know, as long as I can travel wherever I want, when I want to, I'm okay with it because honestly, I've earned so many points over through the years that I can't burn them all. So it's, it is what it is. And I'm, you know, happy to have that great stockpile and be able to go when I want to go. And I think you're doing just fine with your method because you travel like at least once a month and you still have a huge stockpile of points. So that's amazing. Okay, Pam, are there any expenses that you don't use a credit card for? For me personally, I would say the only time I'm not using a credit card is probably for ballet parking tips for when I'm traveling in um, a different country. Um, Currently, I mean, if I had a mortgage, I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, If I had a car payment, I probably couldn't do that. But for us, I just, in our stage of life, I use a credit card for just about everything. Like I said, there's very rare instances, but we're older, we've got some things paid off. And so we're kind of different. You guys are better at answering this, I think, because you've got those, some of those expenses that I don't have right now. What about you, Alex? I know you have a mortgage and a car payment. <laughs> I don't have a car payment. Oh, well, I know you have a mortgage. I don't have a car payment. My, I'm, I have a mortgage. We, I married somebody who came from a family that never had car payments. And so that was always a thing, like, we're not going to have car payments. So do we drive the fanciest cars? No. My, when we drove, the car I had when I was 16, we sold that like three years ago. And I'm probably when I was like 34 or 35. So it was a little Mazda protege. So we're not some, we're not super car people. But, I mean, now I have a a nice Honda Odyssey. It's, you know, to your typical mom car. So I don't have to use a credit card or make payments on my car. Um, But I do have a mortgage. Do not use a credit card for that. There's some, like, sometimes in, like, those, um, 
like different places that I go for like, you know, if I go get a facial, the my sister-in-law is an esthetician. Uh, she's a nurse esthetician. And she, if I go see her for services, I don't use a credit card because she charges extra like um, to do that. And she would do it, but I'm like, you're my sister-in-law. I'm not going to make you charge these three, charge you the 3% or whatever it is, the credit card fees. So, you know, I don't pay credit cards for those types of things. You know, I know sometimes if people get a massage, they don't always take credit cards. You know, those people who have their own small businesses, a lot of those types of services don't take a credit card. Just so that they as the small business can avoid those credit card transaction fees. And so in those situations, I don't stress about it. I pay them through their business Venmo account or whatever it is that they prefer. And, you know, it's going to be fine if I miss out on $100, you know, once a month or something like that for the service. I think a lot of time people hear us say that we charge our everyday expenses to credit cards. And so to them, that means you should never use a debit card. You should never pay cash. You should never use Venmo. And I just want to say like, I do not use my credit card for every single expense. I don't use a credit card for my mortgage. I don't use a credit card for my car payment. I don't use a credit card for our cleaning service. I don't use a credit card if we use certain contractors who will charge three and a half plus percent to use a credit card. I will not use a credit card in that situation. And so I think people should just stress less about using a credit card for every single thing. I only use it when it's like easy to use a credit card. I do not go out of my way spending time figuring out how I'm going to skirt the rules and like use a credit card when I'm not supposed to or when it's not easy to do. So um, I just want to give you permission to not use a credit card for every single expense in your life. And it's okay if you don't do that. Okay. I guess I'm up. So the next question is, I'm 524 and so I cannot get any Chase cards. What business cards should I target? We are all fans of the Amex business cards. They will not count towards 524. We like the Amex business gold, the Amex business platinum. There are some co-branded Amex cards that you could look into if you've never had those before. We also all really like the Capital One Venture X business card. That one won't count towards 524, but the minimum spend is quite high on that one. So you're going to have to either wait until you have a large expense coming up or like we use that one for our estimated taxes for our businesses. And so if that's an option then that card is a really good one. What about you, Pam? What do you think? Are there any that I forgot? Um, yeah, for um, there was a solid year that my husband and I were both over 5 and 24, and it was rough to not get any Chase cards, but there were so many business cards that we could get that we were still earning points and miles. We still probably earned close to a million points that year. Uh Two that I really like a lot is I really like the City Advantage business cards for a for American Airlines miles, and also the Barclay business card for American Airlines miles. Love those because 
One of our favorite ways to fly from the Maldives or to the Maldives is on Cutter Q Suites. It's a great way to be able to get that. If you're flying to the Caribbean, AA miles work really well. So those are huge. I've always really liked that. All right, Alex, question number seven. How much do you pay in annual fees each year? Okay, so I want to preface this by reminding everybody that this is my job. My job is traveling, going to airport lounges, doing all of that is part of the job. Like I need to go to the airport lounge and the Centurion lounge to get content and make reels. And so I need to pay that $695 annual fee to have a platinum card. So keep that in mind when I tell you this number. If I, if my job was not to create content on Instagram and I didn't, I didn't do all of this, I would not keep all of these cards. I would definitely be getting rid of some. But with all of the cards I have, which let me see how many cards I have really quick. Um, I don't know. Let me count really quick. That have annual fees. I have a bunch of no annual fee cards too. So I've got one, two, three, four, six, seven, 13, 14. I have like 20, 21 cards just like in my name. I pay, I did the math and it's like $2,900. So $2,900. I know that's a ton of money, but when you think of all of the trips that I have gone on this year, it is crazy. And that's not including any of the benefits. That's not including the free night certificates that I get from my hotel cards. That's not including the airport lounge access. That's not including a $300 travel credit on my Capital One Venture card. There are so many benefits that I'd make sure I utilize. That's not including the $200 airline incidental that I just got Southwest, basically Southwest travel funds from that. It's $400 in Dell credits, which, you know, we bought a Nest thermostat and then a printer. So those are actually things we needed too. So it's, there's a lot of things you have to consider when you tell somebody how many annual fees or how much you spend in annual fees. I can tell you right now, $300 of that is an Amex business gold card. I'm not going to keep that card. Next year, I'm going to be getting rid of it. So it's a lot. Yes. Are most of you going to have annual fees that high? No. I think, you know, I did this for a lot of years and my average was about $1,000 in annual fees a year. It has gone up significantly by having the platinum card. So, I mean, that's that's like close to $1,000 on its own, which is kind of insanity. But anyway, yes, I hope you all didn't like pass out when I told you that number, but it's all good. It's worth it for hundreds of thousands of dollars of travel. If they didn't pass out for yours, then they're going to pass out for mine. No, I'm just kidding. I just did the math and I paid around $3,600 in annual fees last year. I know that that seems nuts, but I will just tell you that I'm looking at my Travel Freely app right now and the cash value, the cash value of the points that I earned in 2023 is $37,000. That's if I cashed out my points, which I didn't do. I transferred them to transfer partners to take nearly free trips. 
I got over 100000 That's kind of insane, though. $37,000 in cash yeah. value. That's I, in reality, I got over $100,000 in travel for free in 2023. So yes, $3,600 in annual fees may seem crazy town, but I got over $100,000 in travel. Like you got <laughs> you got to do the math. And like Alex said, I travel a lot. Most people are not going to be getting $100,000 in travel for free if you're just taking one or two trips a year. But you're going to be getting those trips for free. You know, your annual fees are going to be lower, but you're going to you're still going to be saving thousands of dollars. And so that's why like going back to the thinking short term versus long term, you can't just write off cards because of the annual fee. You got to do the math. You got to see what the return on investment of opening that card is going to be. And so I think that is um, something really important to consider before just saying, oh, I would never pay $395 for a card. Oh, I would never pay $695 for a card. You got to do the long-term thinking. Yeah. And also like, also with your, you know, the money that we spent in annual fees, that's not even going to cover me three nights in at a, at, you know, a nice Hyatt in Hawaii. That's going to cover like nothing if I was paying cash for these things. If I was paying cash to fly my family to Hawaii, good luck getting us there and back on $2,900. It's not going to happen to fly six people for that cheap. So I think that's another way to look at it is, okay, what's my travel budget? Can I add this? You know, if my travel budget include your annual fees in that. And, you know, it makes the annual fees not seem so bad when you're like, okay, I paid, you know, almost $3,000 for $100,000 worth of travel this year. Makes it easier to swallow when you think about it like that. 100%. All right. Last question because we got to wrap it up. Pam, this one's for you. What is something you're most proud of when it comes to travel hacking? Okay. I have two things. One thing is I have a have had a huge passion for travel. I mean, I figured that when I retired, a big chunk of our retirement money would be allocated for travel. And I was going to have to be careful where I traveled. I was going to have to limit my trips because of travel hacking. I travel more than I ever thought possible in a manner I never thought was possible. Number two, this grandma of 21 grandchildren is 70 years old. And I figured this out. I know how to do this. I even run a business doing this. And I am really proud that at my age that I am able to do that. And if I can do it, you can do it too, because most of you listening are a lot younger than me. Yeah, I'd say mic drop. I can't top that. That was a good note to end on. Come on, Alex. What are you most proud of? Oh, man. I'd say I'm most proud of being able to take, like, that I've learned how to do this and being able to just take my family on vacations and to be able to make these memories and have these really amazing experiences with my kids and my husband that definitely we would not be able to afford otherwise. <laughs> so that's what's been really cool for me. Just proud to be able to take my kids on trips like this. And Jess, what are you most proud of? My title as Hyatt Queen. No, I'm just kidding. That is not it. Um, <laughs> it's It's similar to Alex's. I think just 
I was really motivated to get into this hobby slash now business because I wanted to give my family these trips and these memories and I didn't grow up with these experiences and it was really important for me to give those experiences to my kids and paying out of pocket wasn't an option. And so I just was really motivated and I learned how to do it and now I'm teaching others how to do it. It's surreal. I think earlier today, actually, we're all together right now. And Pam said, I feel like my life is a pinch me moment. And I could not agree with that more. Like we get to provide our families with these experiences. We get to teach others how to provide their families with these experiences. I feel like sometimes we will hear from our followers or our students in ATA and they will say, I never thought this was possible. I got to take my family on this trip and it's amazing and I can't thank you enough. And I feel like sometimes that makes me more proud and happy than like when I do it for myself, you know, being able to like help others and provide them with these experiences. And so I don't know, it's kind of like sappy, but that's my answer. Well, what I think is really cool is if those of you listening didn't know, Jess didn't take a flight on a plane till she was 18 years old. And now she is literally flying business class all over the world, taking her family all over the world. So it's pretty impressive that you went from never taking a flight to what you're doing now. We really hope that you enjoyed today's episode because we love answering your questions. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean a lot to us if you'd rate and review the Travel Hacking Mom show. We appreciate your support so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you. 